I have spent the last 30 years or so thinking and writing and praying and campaigning for the care of creation. It is my passion and my calling. I'm currently co-chair of the national organisation Green Christian. Uh, There's some leaflets here which I'm inviting you and urging you to take away and look at, and there are more downstairs. We're a national charity founded in 1982, and we support individuals and churches as they care for creation. So please do look us up. We believe also in a gospel for all creation, a gospel for all creation. And I think that is utterly biblical, and I hope you'll see why as I speak. So that reading of Psalm 148, isn't it a wonderful song of praise? It's just one of many passages where creation is invited to praise God, just as we are invited to praise God. In praising God, we are in the right place with God, and we do what we were created to do. For animals and plants... Praising God just means living within their natures. God created squirrels to be squirrels, and they do that in the most squirrely way. (laughs) God created slugs to be slugs, and they do what they're supposed to do. They are what they were created to be. For us, that means living within our nature as children of God. Made in God's image, God's co-workers, brothers and sisters of Jesus, with all that that implies in terms of love, compassion, justice, truth, mercy, imagination and creativity. Praise is our natural home, the place in which we acknowledge who God is, not just what God has done for us. It is the language of heaven and the language of the earth. Even if we don't feel like praising God, and life might sometimes be very difficult and we don't have those feelings, praise has nothing to do with feelings. Like worship, praise is an appropriate response to who God is and it helps us align ourselves with him. It helps us ground ourselves in God. So it's an unusual thought for modern people in a mostly secular society that nature or creation can praise God. But nature does praise God by simply being itself. Nature praises God because nature has not sinned, has not put up any barriers between itself and God. Nature does what it was created to do. There's no time here to go into this in more depth. But out of all creation, we humans alone have the freedom to choose to be out of relationship with God and to get things wrong. But we can choose, through Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit, to get back into that right relationship. Most people really love and appreciate the natural world. I took this a couple of summers ago, during lockdown in fact, um, and these poppies were just exuberantly just giving praise, just being themselves uh, on this street. Small children love creation. You see it 
every, all the time with small children. They, they, they are absolutely fascinated. It's deep within us, this love, and I believe it's a gift from God. And I know people here uh, in, enjoy spending time in the natural world. They love growing things in their gardens or bird watching, or spending time in the mountains or at the seaside, or simply watching wildlife programmes. We're very fortunate in Bristol with our parks, our city farms, the Downs and Lee Woods, and the harbour all within walking distance. But we have had this love of creation, this deep love, this gift, squeezed out of us. Other things are deemed to be more important. Progress. Industry, profits, growth, trade, a good career. The love of creation has often been seen as not serious or not important. And some believe the only value in nature is its monetary value, how much profit can be squeezed out of it. This is a street in Bristol. I'm going to be talking about New York City, so don't be confused. I'm looking at trees here. Some years ago, New York City ran a study on the city's street trees and their usefulness, namely how much they're worth in financial terms. So New York's street trees save energy at a value of $27 million a year by reducing street temperatures in the summer. They remove 1,800 tonnes of air pollution every year at a value of $9.5 million. They capture 870 million gallons of stormwater, stormwater, a year, and that's valued at $35 million. In all, they provide over $122 million each year in total benefits. To replace these trees would cost $5.2 billion. Now, I don't know for a fact... Um, but it may be that they felt compelled to monetize the value of the trees because the trees might have been under threat. I don't actually know. An interesting study. The study also mentions the benefit to property prices. They enhance property prices. But it doesn't mention love or beauty or God's creation or wildlife or any of the other things. So the idea of loving and respecting and caring for creation is actually woven through the Bible like a golden thread through the whole of Scripture. It was quite difficult to find a passage that says, you must care for creation, because there isn't one really, apart from the beginning of Genesis. So it's woven through the whole of creation like a golden thread, together with the understanding that God loves and cares for and is passionate too about his creation. God's love is not just reserved for us. For a long time, this wasn't understood. Due to other types of thinking over the centuries, Christianity became infected with the idea that creation was something to be exploited and used up. Only in recent decades has Christian thinking come back to the knowledge that creation in itself is valuable and sacred because God created it and God loves it and the understanding that creation is vulnerable to human activity. Science has moved on too 
with new understandings every year about how valuable every single part of nature is, from the smallest protozoa to the largest animals, from tiny algae to great trees, from insects to birds, fish to amphibians. Everything is connected, and every part of nature is important, even wasps and slugs and snakes. Every animal or bird or fungus or plant, everything alive, lives in an ecosystem where all the elements are essential. An ecosystem is a geographic area where plants and animals and other organisms, as well as the weather and the landscape, work together to form a bubble of life. If it gets out of balance, it doesn't work so well. And we see that in well-known examples such as rabbits introduced to Australia in the 19th century. They bred well, like rabbits, and caused many problems. In Australia, rabbits are now a serious pest and classed as an invasive species. Everything got out of balance. Ecosystems can be large or small. It's arguable that the whole of Earth is one big ecosystem. Other examples might be a rainforest, or an island, or a pond, a desert, or in Bristol are many nature reserves and sites of special scientific interest. Even your garden, if you have one, is a small ecosystem. Ecosystems are often very robust, and indeed they have been robust for thousands of years. They can cope with a lot. But when species disappear from an ecosystem it becomes more fragile. The more species that disappear, the more fragile it becomes. Great gaps appear in the work that individual species do, and this leads to ecosystems collapsing. Collapsed ecosystems lead to extinctions of plants, animals, and insects, and collapse leads to food shortages, destroyed landscapes, human migration, disease, and a great deal more. The bad news is that ecosystems are already collapsing on Earth due to human activity, pollution, plastics, cutting down forests for building and industrial farming, chemicals in the water, air and soil, cars, lots and lots of factories churning out stuff we often don't really need, and the world's rapidly changing climate due to the burning of fossil fuels. So alongside the climate crisis, which we heard a lot about last year uh, with COP27, we have its twin, the equally important biodiversity crisis. There was a COP, COP15 on biodiversity in December, which didn't get nearly so much coverage as COP27. But it's equally important because since 1970 the planet has lost around 70% of, the, of its animals. Around 25 species a day become extinct. 28% of the world's species are under threat of extinction in the next few years. And the UK isn't doing very well. We are at the bottom. We're in the bottom 10% of the world's most nature-depleted countries. And this, very dangerously, 
includes insects, which perform countless useful tasks, such as pollinating our crops. This, was, um, this is a, a picture taken by Anne in our garden. This crisis of nature has been called the, the sixth great extinction. And this time it's caused by us. It's not caused by a meteor strike or anything from the past. It's us. Well, this is serious stuff, isn't it? And it's unlike anything we have ever known before. You may be wondering at this point what on earth any of us can do looking at these big, big issues. Well, it's true that one person won't make a lot of difference, but we are many. We are eight billion people on this planet. And I believe that we who follow Jesus can and should lead by example. There is a lot we can do both individually and together. And the good news is, given half a chance, creation can recover like the land around Chernobyl or the land around the Mount St. Helens volcano in North America. The bad news is we haven't been giving it any chances at all, but we can turn it around. God loves everything that God created. Everything that God created is very good. We have a beautiful, self-sustaining planet with millions of distinct species, and we have a choice in how we live our lives and how we care for each other and how we care for creation. There's a lot we can do. So I'm going to give you a few ideas. And these are just a few, and we have many, many more. So don't, don't, don't hesitate to ask. We can, first of all, praise God. We can fall in love with creation as we are meant to be. Because do you know what? We are part of creation. Without creation, we couldn't exist. And we can pray. We can recycle everything. We can buy buy plastic-free tea bags. They do exist. We don't need to waste food. We can compost it. We waste about 30% of our food in the UK, which could feed about 20 million people. So don't waste the food you buy. Eat it. Um, And any leftovers, like potato peelings or whatever, stick in the compost. It's a very, very valuable resource. We can think about what we eat. We can eat seasonally. Things that are in season rather than buying things from abroad. We can avoid plastics. We can send things to charity shops and buy from charity shops. We can turn down our heating. We can drive less and fly less. We can support wildlife charities. We can avoid chemicals in gardens or at home. We can write to MPs or councillors or companies. Some people are real keyboard warriors and they're really good at writing letters. So if you're one of those, please start writing. We can become peacemakers because war and conflict are very destructive. And if you can, at home, grow some food. These were from different tomato plants. I was so delighted by these, I had to take a picture. So these are just a few ideas, and there are many, many more. Start thinking, start praying. Everything we do for nature helps the climate. 
and everything we do for the climate helps nature. They go together. St. Matthew's received the Silver Eco Church Award, and we are going for gold. We are already doing a lot in this building and in our gardens, from more sustainable cleaning materials to our heating experiment and our wildlife garden. We don't use chemicals in either of the church gardens, and you can see the result with all those beautiful insects. And you can join in at home too with all the things you choose to do. We'll be downstairs to chat, and there's lots of materials downstairs. So let's be bold. Let's be hopeful. Let's hold fast to our calling to care for creation as God's children and God's co-workers. And remember to live our lives of praise. So praise the Lord. Amen.